Success on Amazon is all about profit, which is entirely a numbers game. Listen to find out the three ways in which you can make it work for you. You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast. If you're not familiar with our format, each month we focus on a different marketing method like email or SEO or Facebook ads. And each week I interview a different marketing method expert to explore the latest advice on making it work for you. This month, we're all about marketplaces. Last episode, we went quite generalist. This episode, we are zeroing in on growing your profits on Amazon. My guest used to work for Amazon. He really, really knows how to do this. And he's going to be getting into the key things you need to do to set yourself up for success on Amazon, whether you're using Seller Central, Vendor Central, you're doing FBA, Don't worry, we get into the difference between those in a moment as well. If you want profit from Amazon, this is the episode for you. And do make sure you listen right to the end of the episode, because at the end of the interview, my guest will be sharing some quick fire insider tips to help you even more. And then I'll be sharing my take on it all, plus outlining some more free ways we can help you improve your marketplaces even more. So stay tuned to the end. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS platform built just for e-commerce brands. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with Marketplace's expert, Martin Heubel. Martin spent four years at Amazon managing various FMCG product categories, including working with vendors to expand their range and increase sales. On leaving Amazon in 2021, he founded his consultancy, Consultus, to help B2C household and CPG brands like Adidas, Hero Group and AG Bar to reliably increase their profits with Amazon. So who better to give us the latest tips for apping our Amazon profits. Hello, Martin. Hi, Chloe. Thanks for having me. I'm excited uh, to be here today. It's awesome to have you here. And like I said, I am so pleased we've got you here to talk about how we can up our profits on Amazon, because I think that's something which often gets neglected by the pure play e-commerce retailer, she says with a wry smile. Um, Before we get into all of that, though, how did you end up at Amazon and in this world of marketplaces? Yeah, absolutely. So I started my uh, journey with Amazon back in 2016, um, took care of and responsibility of um, the uh, product category housewares as a buyer for them. So worked with their vendors um, to increase their sales and also to ensure that they 
know how to kind of sustainably develop their business, um, working on supply chain topics, but also on the right portfolio. Um, and obviously on the right investments in order to ensure that the business can unfold profitably and sustainable for both, both sides. Uh, at the end, it's a trade partnership. Um, and then in 2018, I moved um, into the UK, took responsibility there for the um, CPG grocery category in snacks and desserts, and also took partial responsibility of the coffee categories for them, um, where I also um, negotiated uh, with these vendors' trade terms and also supported them on managing their Amazon business um, across European marketplaces. And I think one of the key moments for me was um, also throughout the acceleration of the e-commerce topic uh, amid the pandemic that all of a sudden offline retailers were closing down or shut and sales plummeted, which naturally led to a shift of focus for a lot of these brands to upping and focusing their resources on the Amazon channel. But as it is really a marketplace first and a retailer second, and we will dive into this, I'm sure, um, as part of this episode, Amazon is typically this kind of yeah, trade partner that can create a lot of confusion and where there are a lot of pieces uh, in the puzzle in order to really make it work. And that was for me the aha moment to see, okay, there is certainly a need in the market. There is certainly a lot of confusion where I can tap in and support brands um, to actually make sense of it. Um, and also help them to kind of make the yeah, leap into the, the digital environment of, of e-commerce. It's awesome. We're going to be uncovering some of those confusing elements for everyone in a moment or two. But I think one of the things which stands out for me about your experience is you've worked deeply in some hugely competitive categories, which may not be the obvious categories for our listeners, but all the lessons learned there apply across the whole product range of Amazon, don't they? So you're almost like accelerated knowledge because you worked in a really difficult bit. Yeah, Chloe, I mean, at the end of the day, right, it, it always comes down to the basics. Um, funnily enough, uh, whether you're in a highly competitive or, or less competitive category, if, if, if such category even exists nowadays. I think if you're looking across product categories, um, almost across product families, you will see that there are a lot of sellers, a lot of vendors and brands trying to, to compete for the first yeah, search result page um, once somebody types in a keyword in, in the Amazon search bar. And um, similar to what you see with other platforms like Google, for example, or social media sites, of course, visibility is key and um, you need to get this attention. Um, but at the same time, it's not all that counts because in the world of e-commerce, just getting your product visible is only half of, of, of the task because if your product isn't available or the content doesn't convert because customers are confused or the product that needs to be explained isn't explained well, um, then uh, this can obviously kill any kind of good execution on, on the marketing part um, when it comes to product visibility. But it falls over, so to say, once you're um, not executing also on the operations, which often build the backbone of any successful e-commerce operation, whether this is with your own online shop or whether this is on a marketplace such as Amazon. Yeah, and there's one, there's one key thing, though, we need to clear up for everyone before we get into this in depth, because they're going to start getting confused with our terminology otherwise, which is there are two essentially, and we could go, we could do a whole episode on this. But there are essentially just two types of company selling via Amazon, 
those who are vendors and have access to Vendor Central and those who are sellers and have access to Seller Central. Um, Martin, what are the key differences between those two, please? Sure. So the key differences um, when you look at the two business models is that vendors basically sell their inventory to Amazon. So it's a classic wholesale model where Amazon is placing a purchasing order at a defined cost price and uh, the vendor is shipping their goods to an Amazon warehouse from which time actually this inventory transforms in terms of the ownership um, into Amazon and thereby Amazon is able to set their own price to sell this product to end customers. On the flip side, you have sellers or seller central, uh, which is often to referred as 3P and um, means that sellers can utilize the marketplace similar to, to eBay to list their own products um, at their own price. So they set the price, they maintain ownership of the inventory if they choose though, and if they choose to not use Amazon's um, fulfillment capabilities um, via an FBA, so fulfilled by Amazon model. I don't want to add too much confusion here, but these are the two main businesses, business models and these are the two main routes of selling to Amazon. Um, both come with intrinsic opportunities and some challenges, um, but I think the key takeaway is that the vendor, vendor central model is typically very suitable for brands that are established in their category. Um, are also recognized by end customers. So the brands are generally quite mature already. And the brand wants to also strategically develop the business with Amazon. So Amazon will actually yeah, give them a buyer in the sense of Amazon, it's called a vendor manager to jointly develop the business. Whereas sellers that sell through Seller Central um, will not have a dedicated Amazon buyer, um, but will largely own the uh, the strategic development of their Amazon account. And is it true to say, Martin, that some businesses run both a seller central account and a vendor central account? Not necessarily, it's not necessarily a one or the other scenario. Yeah, it's certainly possible. I think a lot of brands um, have approached this in, in the past and um, it's, it's going both ways. So sometimes if you're a seller, Amazon will approach your brand and say, hey, do you not want to, to sell your products also via Vendor Central and have the benefits of us actually placing purchasing orders to you and you just simply have to fulfill them? We do more or less the rest. Um, and it goes also the other way where brands are currently set up via Vendor Central, um, have some reasons to say, look, we want to rather own more of the inventory management, for example, or the price setting of our products. Um, and thereby would like to have a seller account um, for, for certain sub-products of, of the range. Um, so it's possible. Um, it comes with different implications, uh, depending on where you're selling with Amazon, that you definitely need to keep in mind. Um, one example to mention would be that if you're a vendor and you try to simply move your products to Seller Central um, in order to increase your, your profit margins, um, Amazon can um, kind of prevent you from doing that because their terms and conditions of the marketplace clearly state that Amazon can kind of um, move any seller back to a vendor central model and close down the seller central account. So whenever you're thinking of doing that, definitely be sure that you take the perspective of the end customer. Um, if you're opening up a seller central account, for example, or a vendor central account in order to improve the operational performance or so the availability of your products or to be able to 
yeah, accelerate your test learn capabilities. It's certainly not a problem because it feeds the kind of business model of Amazon that is centered all around the end customer. But if you're trying to trick the system, then it may backfire quite quickly. <laughs> Always worth the warning. Um, okay. So, so guys, Vendor Central, that's when you're selling the product to Amazon and Amazon's selling it to the consumer. Seller Central, that's when you're, you're selling the product to the consumer using the Amazon platform. Obviously, it's a lot more complicated than I just explained it, but that's our, that's our basics. Essentially, everything we're talking about today applies to you, whichever one of those groups you're in. Um, and Martin will do his best and I will do my best to prompt him to flag if there are any uh, differences to that. But we don't want to turn this into a and on vendor and on seller the whole way through. So we may miss a couple. Any questions, do fire them in and we will do our best to uh, to clear up it up afterwards. But essentially, these strategies are going to work however you're selling your products on Amazon. Okay. Um, right. First thing to cover, the big question, the thing I see lots of brands getting wrong is what of your product range, your product portfolio, should you list on Amazon? Is it for everyone? Should we list everything? Should we start with something, change it? What What do we do, Martin? Yeah, obviously it's something that a lot of business owners um, have as a question, right? And the, the easiest answer is to say you simply list everything and you see what sticks. But that might turn against you very quickly, especially after a few weeks or a few months, once you um, look not only at your sales figures, but especially at your bottom line and realize, okay, this wasn't the right approach and you need to actually revert from, from your previous decision, which is always a very costly endeavor. And it's also not something that will incentivize the Amazon algorithm to actually put more visibility on the effective products. Um, so I would typically recommend that you should look at the products that have a good sort of profit margin for you and um, that are also being sold in the wider market segment um, at a kind of retail price proposition that makes sense for Amazon to sell and to also accommodate the kind of variable handling and shipping costs that um, a Amazon will incur, but you will also incur if you're, if you're selling and shipping to, to the marketplace. And that definitely means that you should ideally stay away typically from products that um, have an average selling price proposition of below five pounds or five euros, and ideally even below 10 euros or 10 pounds or everything above that if um, you're having your uh, manufacturing costs um, and production costs um, set up in a very lean way, should give you enough room to actually yeah, consider at least um, listing these. So you kind of have the question of whether you want to go down a full versus a selective portfolio access route um, to Amazon. So whether you list just blindly everything and see what sticks or whether you're becoming a little bit more selective. Typically the selective approach is what you want to prefer, especially if you do not have any kind of um, yeah, knowledge or experience about marketplaces in the first place, because there are a lot of dynamics in play that you may think you have understood, um, but that may hit you by, yeah, and, and catch you by surprise if you are just uploading everything um, a few months or a few years after. So first off, Martin, don't list everything, be a bit strategic. The first way of being strategic is to cull those products which are lower, 
lower price point because they're almost certainly not going to become profitable. And then to look at the rest of the products in terms of where we've got the margin, what price it's already selling for on Amazon, etc. I've often said to people in the past also to focus on your better selling products and leave out the others because we're trying to get to less because it's easier to manage less. Is bestseller status a good next level to bring into our choice here? You can. Uh, it depends uh, heavily on um, the category and the category competitiveness, as you mentioned earlier as well. So if you see that you're competing a lot with um, Asian sellers on, on the Amazon marketplace and you know that they will beat you on price, then it comes really down to your brand asset and brand value. So are you able to communicate that well on Amazon in order to position yourself well in the, in the search um, results and are customers valuing that? Um, so you'll need to obviously conduct a little bit of qualitative research among your existing customer base that you may have from your D2C website in order to understand, okay, how strong is your, your brand perceived? And if you have that already, then great. You'll be able to kind of direct yourself towards this direction. And I would recommend to kind of use top seller status for sure, but even also filter it maybe by brands, um, your portfolio, to decide which, which kind of products you would like to list and which you do not want to list um, on the marketplace. And what's some um, top seller status? Ah, the top seller status of your um, D2C website, for example. So if you have existing top sellers then and you feel that the competitiveness on Amazon is not as uh, much of a uh, headache or issue to you, then certainly, by all means, look at the profit margins. And if they allow you to, to list them on the Amazon marketplace, then you can go ahead. There's another angle to it. And I think it's kind of a third dimension that you can bring into. You can also, obviously, if you have any kind of concerns around your product ASP, you can create bundles with Amazon in order to also not inflate, but to improve the average selling price of your existing range. So if you know, for example, that certain products are frequently bought together, then why not hard bundle them in your warehouses and to set them up in the Amazon catalog as such, which will also help you to sustain your bottom line, so your profit margin performance, and also help you to kind of reduce your variable handling and shipping costs that you incur when selling in, in relation to your average selling price as well. And I have to say, as we go into a cost of living crisis, where all your costs are going up with supply chain and where consumers have less spending money, uh, bundling is a great idea. Even if it's buy three for a slight discount, it's going to make a lot of sense in your business. Um, okay, Martin, so we need to be strategic about what of our product portfolio we choose to list on Amazon. And then um, we don't just list and forget, do we? We need to actually do some work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's right. It's it's an across it's happening across every channel, right? And I think what I would uh, definitely focus on is two things, and this is your your listing quality. So make sure that you a obviously are able to maintain um, availability of your products. Uh, it feeds the the Amazon flywheel um, that famously known and known and starts with having selection available in order to then pair it with a good customer experience, which will lead to more attraction from customers and bring also new sellers on board that again bring in more selection. And this leads to growth, which then drives economies of scale and the cycle begins over and over again. So listing selection is the first step, but as I mentioned, customer centricity and customer excellence is really, really important. So make sure that the product descriptions are 
reflecting what your product is about. Customers understand your product, even if it's something that is harder to understand. And ensure that you're also kind of increasing the visibility and the traction that you have on the Amazon marketplace by utilizing A plus content, so enhanced content, where you can also list comparison tables, pictures, et cetera, which will, which will help you to um, rank better. And um, from a profitability standpoint, you obviously need to ensure that you're also actively managing your product mix. So let's say you listed 10 or 50 products, depending on how large your portfolio is. You can obviously set and forget it. And then the marketplace customers will either find your products and sometimes will, they will purchase product A, sometimes they will purchase product B. Now, you do not necessarily want to leave it up to that um, by not actively managing your product mix because what happens if your most unprofitable product all of a sudden becomes your top seller number one on Amazon. It's very hard to then revert this trend and it's very costly too because then all of a sudden you have to either reduce sales on a product that is already scaling but not profitable or you have to put all of your marketing money that you're generating from the profits of that unprofitable sale towards products that have better profit margins. And in either case, you kind of lose out a little bit. So it's better to navigate that um, proactively and to say, and to set your marketing budget and to set all of the investments that you're taking with Amazon as well, and to direct them towards the products that generate a good profit margin for your business at the end of the day. If you're a vendor, then you also need to take care that the kind of profit margin that Amazon generates is in the remits of not being delisted or delistable. Um, but in general, um, I would definitely focus your target on target your marketing and advertising spend to products with above average margins to really ensure that you're running promotions and drive this accretive account margin as well. And of course, how do you manage that, right? It becomes very clear from what I said before that you also need to add this kind of analytics piece to it. So you must not only look at your ASIN level or SKU level profitability, you also need to keep in mind, okay, what is my wider account level profitability with Amazon right now? And is that changing because I'm selling just more product? Or is that changing because I'm selling more volume of different products compared to the same time period before? So maybe that last month, I sold a lot of the highly profitable products, but now one ran out of stock and I also didn't focus my marketing budget on it. So all of a sudden your account margin plummets and that obviously needs to be addressed by A, driving operational efforts towards these listings, but B, also using your kind of investments in terms of marketing or trade marketing um, towards these listings that really move the needle for you, your business um, on account level, not only on product level. I do love how cut and dried it is. It's very straightforward. This is something good. This is something bad. And, um, you know, the fact you, you know, you've got to work on your listings, you've got to keep your availability in there, make sure the customer experience is good. And then make sure your marketing is pushing towards the products you want to sell and you want to become the best sellers. And those are the ones, unsurprisingly, with the best margin, everyone. And also, I think the other thing to note there is Martin said your 10 to 15 products. He didn't say your 100 to 150 products. He said your 10 to 15. So when you're doing those selections, make sure the number of products you're picking enables your analysis and your workload to be manageable. Um, let's talk about when it gets confusing next, Martin, because 
a lot of the brands listing have got their own products. I think about 50% of them from our last survey are also wholesaling already to other people. So they, even if they're the creator of the product, they might not be the only person selling it, which is when life gets confusing and potentially aggressive. So how do we, how do we get ahead of that? So as it doesn't derail us, our sales. Yeah, and this applies especially to a little bit more mature brands that um, have already established sales through their own channels um, and have explored to kind of, yeah, multiply that through the help of wholesalers or distributors. Now, what we need to understand, and it was reflected already in our discussion before when we talked about the difference between 1P and 3P, so vendor and seller central, is that Amazon is a marketplace first and a retailer second. Amazon sees itself simply as a marketplace that connects the existing demand in the market from end customers with your supply as a manufacturer or as a wholesaler or as a distributor. So naturally, they will want to source your products from whichever source it's possible and available. And when you're on vendor, then it may be that your wholesalers and your distributors sell to Amazon directly your products. So whenever you are starting to sell to Amazon, they compete with your own price. And on Seller Central, it's the same thing, right? I mean, your wholesalers or distributors may choose to go down the Seller Central route as well. So they pop up in the buy box, which is the part of the product detail page where you check out and Amazon allocates all of these different offers from different kinds of sellers and sources. And they might compete with you if you are opening up your own Seller Central account. So the kind of distribution management and distribution control piece is very important, not only with Amazon, but with e-commerce in general. Because, Chloe, and I'm sure this was mentioned also in previous uh, episodes, with e-commerce, there are the borders between countries are blurred significantly. So, of course, you have cross-border sales. You may have a wholesaler that should basically just sell to a different country, also selling in the UK or in a different European country that you didn't intend them to sell towards in the first place. And that can obviously lead to a lot of headaches down the road, especially when you are starting out with Amazon, because all of a sudden you realize it's not as easy as just uploading your products, listing it and focusing your ad spend to the right products. No, because there may be other people and other companies competing with you for the same checkout sale. And um, of course, depending on how your margins are structured with your distributors or your wholesalers, they may have a lot of padding in their cost structures to really compete with you on price. And don't forget, wholesalers and distributors have the benefit of volume. They may not just buy from you as a brand, so they can tap in these economies of scale at the same time, which allows them to use your product sometimes as a loss leader because they make the margin on other items and thereby they kind of distribute their their channel mix with Amazon in a different way. But for you, it's actually very unprofitable to compete with them. So how do you address that? Well, first of all, you'll need to really, really make visible whom you're selling your products to. Is it one distributor and one wholesaler or is it multiple? And what kind of incentive structure from a commercial investment point of view do you grant them? So if they purchase your products, do you give them large bulk discounts um, in exchange for very large purchasing orders that last them for three or six months? 
And if that's the case and you realize that these are competing with you and it's very unprofitable and is also strategically preventing you from really further your direct business with Amazon, then it might be an idea to review those and or even consider a setup of a selective distribution network where you only work with authorized resellers of your brand to also protect your kind of brand assets and brand image in, in the wider market. An excellent overview of that, Martin. So many questions I could ask, but we are not going to get deep into that. Um, it's been a pleasure, though, picking your brains um, about making Amazon sales profitable. Listeners, remember to stay tuned right to the end of the episode so you don't miss out on Martin's insider tips on marketplaces and my suggestions for more free resources to help you improve things even further in your business. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the email and SMS platform built just for e-commerce brands. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Martin, so far we've gone deep into making Amazon sales profitable. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of marketplaces. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with marketplaces, which of course does include everything we've already been talking about. Martin, are you ready for these? Absolutely. Okay, let's start with newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? Yeah. I always come back to this basic approach and it is to create visibility about your data. When you're talking about profitability, you must not solely look at your sales performance. You really need to get under the skin of how your profit margins are stacked up. So what is influencing it? If you're selling to Amazon, understand the costs of doing business with them into detail. If you are selling to Amazon on Vendor Central, make sure you understand really how your margins on Amazon side and on your side are created and are also fluctuating over time. So look at things like your average selling, pr selling price, your cost price, your costs to, to manufacture the products and any kind of variable handling and shipping costs that may be in between to store, ship, but also to pick these products. Once you have an overview of your profit margins, don't only look at them from, again, a profit level point of view, but also look how they stack up on category level or on your account level, and then decide which products are at a good benchmark level compared to your sales and other retail channels and where you would like to focus your attention to. So obsess about data first and inform your decisions second. Excellent. Okay. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve performance? Yeah. I mean, it follows really as, as a secondary or third step um, from, from what I've mentioned before. And it is to create reporting mechanisms where you almost force yourself um, or your team, if you're in a larger organization, 
to report on certain metrics that are crucial for your profit margins and that inform your profit margins at the end of the day. And this is typically the best um, in the following approach. I would recommend a weekly review of the, the kind of high-level KPIs just in order to understand, is there anything really off? Are products out of stock? Does that impact your wider account margin performance? Um, but you then also want to kind of create a monthly and a quarterly reporting cycle. The monthly reporting cycle is really good to spot any wider trends. So of course, we just had Prime Day, for example. So you will see a spike in sales. You may see a uh, downside and profit margins because you invested into the, the sales spike. So of course, this is a trend that will likely last only for a week. But what you really want to spot is, okay, how did that investment unfold in the course of the, the month of July? Um, so you need to have this kind of level of um, reporting that is iterative first, but then also repetitive second um, from a monthly and quarterly perspective. When you review a quarterly uh, performance then, really look at the macro trends and these will really give you the insights on okay now the last three months were highly unprofitable because of these three drivers and then you also define the forward looking actions on how you can tackle these three drivers right so if it was uh, higher competition um, with other kind of sellers then you might want to create a path to green by either delisting a product or by shifting your investments from your marketing investments towards more profitable a more profitable range. Love how you broke that down, Martin. That was brilliant. If someone listening wants to learn more about marketplaces, is there one cheap or free resource you would recommend? Sure. So there are a couple of free resources uh, on my website, consultors.com. I'm sure there will be a link in the description of the episode. Um, so simply scroll down, look at the resource center, and you should find um, a few of um, the helpful uh, profitability um, resources there. Um, but there's also another resource that I would highly recommend and that you can sign up to fairly easily, and that is the Digital Shelf Institute. Um, it's um, education.digitalshelfinstitute.org um, that gives um, sellers as vendors um, a very good insight around uh, marketplaces, um, how to create mutual profitability, and also how to really set up and identify the metrics that matter for yourself and the business. Um, so I would highly recommend to check these two resources out um, as they are a very good starting point to get deeper into, into the world of Amazon and marketplaces in general. Excellent. Thank you, Martin. I always think with Amazon, it's particularly hard to find good advice that isn't totally FBA universe focused. So love, loving those two. Uh, finally, crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for? I think in general, the, the high volatility that we have seen over the course of the last few months and years uh, will continue to, uh, to accompany us. So it's important to really create resilient processes when it comes to the performance review of your business, but then also to really understand the, how, how they impact your margins. Um, when it comes to supply chain, the classic example is that raw material prices, freight prices have absolutely skyrocketed. So it's important to understand what is driving that, right? And you need to understand, okay, how is maybe the currency fluctuation between the euro or the pound and the dollar, the US dollar, um, impacting your own margins when you purchase raw materials or also when you purchase uh, products from overseas. Make sure that you notice any kind of trend changes. 
and that you tap into that opportunity when you talk to your manufacturers, when you talk to your suppliers, and when you negotiate with them your, your, your kind of trade terms. Uh, because if you're missing out on that, or if you have severe delays in the way you update your terms with them, then you may actually pay for that with your own margins and lower margins in return. Um, so I think it's really important to, to keep an eye on that. And um, of course, I mean, with, with all of the situation uh, in Ukraine, we will see more volatility um, on supply chain uh, and pressure on supply chains. Um, so I think any brand that can figure out um, a very resilient way um, to, to set that up and to also ensure that availability of products on the digital shelf is uh, secured um, will, will thrive and win over the next six to 12 months. Excellent. Thank you, Martin. We are very nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let everybody know where they can find you and your business? Sure. The best way to connect is on LinkedIn. Um, if you're searching for my name, Martin Heubel, you will uh, find me hopefully in the search results. Um, alternatively, you can go on my website, um, consulters.com and um, find uh, useful insights, um, articles, and again, the, the free resource center there. Excellent. Martin, thank you so much for being on the Keep Optimizing podcast. You have been so clear with what we need to do with Amazon to be profitable. It's been a, been a real pleasure sharing all of that with the listeners. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Chloe. Loving Martin's kind of laser focus on the profit side of things there. I think that's just so clear a message for all of you. The Amazon game for all of you guys is a profit game. How can you maximize the profit you make from the channel? It all starts off by being selective at which products you actually put there. Then you need to work at it. And this never ends. You need to work on your listing quality, keep yourself in stock, uh, make sure that customer experience is always great, take advantage of some of those enhanced listing attributes and marketing. Make sure the marketing that you're doing on Amazon is pushing the right products. So your product mix, your profitability mix is right. And for those of you who are wholesaling your products to other people, you've got to make sure you've got that set up for your success. Otherwise you end up in kind of like a crazy race to the bottom against your own customers, which is not fun. And, but it but can be fairly easily mitigated with a little bit of work up front. Loads of stuff for you to get your head around in that one. You can get links to all that we discussed, the full transcript of the episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com. You can also use our special director episode links. Just put keepopt.com forward slash episode number into the URL bar and you'll go straight to the right page. Once you get to the website, make sure you add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any other things I share to help you improve your business, including our monthly Q&A webinars. Yes, as part of my mission to help you improve your marketing each month, I aim to invite all our specialists to join us for a live Q&A session. Yes, all our podcast guests come together to answer your questions and Marketplace Month is no exception. So to sign up for that webinar, head to keepoptimizing.com and go to the webinar page. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. If you've enjoyed it, do check out episode 115, 115, where I was chatting with Jesse Rag about marketplaces in general and how to succeed on them. Quite a lot of what he covers expands on what we were talking about in this episode. So I think they fit together really nicely, even though it's not an Amazon specific episode. 
Please do tell your fellow marketers about the show as well, because I create it to help as many marketers like you as possible to improve the performance of your e-commerce businesses and your e-commerce marketing. So please do spread the word. And finally, have a brilliant week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimising your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimising at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.